they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Let's have it! Welcome House of Champions! Use your friends dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we get stuck into the Champions League. We absolutely review what happened in the quarterfinals first leg from today's Wednesday's action. And how's the champions today? We got Michael Hood, Jonathan Johnson, and Nigel Rio Coker. Let's check in with the boys. Michael, start with you. How's it going? Uh, I'm really wishing James Benz was here. That's how it's going. But he's not. We'll take care of him at the weekend. Lots to chew on and talk about with the Champions League matches today. JJ, what's up over there, man? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Uh, just uh, finished up with the, the Milan-Napoli game and uh, looking forward to picking through it all with you. Nigel Rio Coker, you look very... Um thoughtful right there mm. things are going through your mind right now how are you doing i'm good mate big time charlie you know mr secretive here let's just start the show let's, this ain't pally pally with you today mate let's just get going just a reminder <laughs> nigel real coker this is not our whatsapp group all right so let's just keep those things <laughs> private let's get into the show guys it is the quarterfinals first leg Real Madrid taking on chelsea today of course the other game in milan ac milan against Napoli, but we begin with the action in Spain. Real Madrid getting a big, big victory and an important victory. Michael Hood against Chelsea. Karim Benzema on a score sheet 22 minutes into the game. I tell you what, how about this for a statistic here? His last 11 Champions League goals have all come against English opposition. That's a phenomenal statistic right there. Marco Asensio off the bench, assisted by Vinny Jr. to make it 2-0. 66% of Marco Asensio's Champions League goals have been scored in the knockout stages. He's a guy Hmm. for the big stage your assessment of the game Michael Hood it's what we expected but how Chelsea started that's not what we expected Chelsea it wasn't for a lack of efforts when Jao Felix was in the way they started on the front foot breakaway effort it just highlights the fact that Chelsea do not have a number nine you cannot compete in the UEFA Champions League if you do not have a number nine you can go without a midfield they won the Champions League in 2012 because they had a number nine outstanding goalkeeper in penalty kicks but you have to have players who can finish chances like that or else it's going to be a tall order to ask the rest of your team to keep out a team that scores goals for fun like Real Madrid. Madrid, we've seen it throughout this Champions League. They are a two-man attack. If it's not Vinny Jr. in the group stages, it's Kareem Benzema in the knockout stages. We play, We said it before. He plays when he wants. It just happens to be he wants <laughs> to play right now. And that's nightmare situations for back lines like Chelsea. I'm kind of satisfied to hear that Real did the business, given that I did predict that they would pull a big performance out of the bag. But then again, how big do performances have to be when Chelsea are as toothless as it sounds? Uh, full disclosure, I wasn't able to follow the the match for the full 90 minutes. So I kept flitting in and out because I had to keep my eyes mainly on what was going on between Milan and Napoli. But not at all surprised that you have, uh, you know, some of the big names, uh, you know, chipping in and, and putting in a big performance. But speaking of big names on the wrong side of the result, it sounded like Engoro Conte had a really impressive performance again for Chelsea, mm-hmm. despite uh, being on the being on the losing side. I think maybe getting him back to some semblance of fitness could start to help this Chelsea side make sense in the coming games. But I think it's now, what, four matches without scoring a goal? 
it's worrying times. It was worrying times before Frank Lampard came in. It's even more worrying now, uh, you know, and you just do wonder, uh, you know, whether Ch- whether Real Madrid are going to be able to stick another couple of goals past Chelsea next week because based on, you know, sort of what I can see and what I've heard, you know, from the, the match and the bits that I didn't see, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, fairly plain sailing for Real from here. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. I think for me, when I look at that game, I can break it down in so many different ways, but I'm going to try and be brief about it. Real Madrid were not at full throttle today. And I said it in our private group chat. One day we'll put out the number so you guys can join in. But I said it in our (laughs) private group chat where Real Madrid are at their best with their backs against the wall. I felt this Real Madrid side were always confident and believe they can beat Chelsea. And it just felt that they had another gear or two they could go. And if it was a game where they needed to win and it was backs against the wall to get through we'll see the complete Real Madrid performance. Chelsea, for me, are what Todd Bowley... Chelsea want to be what Real Madrid are. That's what Todd Todd Bowley wants Chelsea to become. But he is a million miles away from it, doesn't understand the game of football. Kante was great to see him back, as JJ said. My opinion, I think Frank Lampard got it wrong. I feel, for me, if you've got Kante in the team, he sets a better tempo as a centre midfielder, in my opinion, than Enzo Fernandes. I understand you're trying to play Enzo Fernandez in that Pirlo role, getting the ball, hitting long balls, trying to get Raheem Sterling in behind and Jao Felix in behind. But like Michael said, you can get them in behind. But if you haven't got a striker they can play off or a striker they can finish, what's the point? Because they've still got a lot of work to do. Every single defender in Real Madrid's defence is one of the best people in 1v1 situations. If you can't play 1v1 football, you're not playing for Real Madrid. And you're talking about world-class top stars. So for me, I felt he got that wrong. I felt that Conte would be a better pace setter in that midfield. And I don't get how you pay a hundred and something million for a player and you want him just to sit there and ping balls. He needs to do more for me. He needs to do or be able to do what we see Camavinga doing, what we see Modric doing and Kroos doing for all for Real Madrid, in my opinion. I felt that tactically that was wrong. Jao Felix, love him, Ian. Love him. But I can clearly see now why he sat on the bench a few times at Atletico Madrid. Because I saw, for me, a player that is constantly playing for himself and his own selfish needs. Remember, he's only on loan at Chelsea. I can't see him saying that he wants to stay there for the long term. I don't see a player that's playing for me that looks like he wants to be part of this Chelsea team. It's like he's gone on holiday to show people what he can do. And I feel Mm -hmm. he has other destinations in mind because he's playing very selfish to me. And I could see why... um, What's his name? I forgot his name now. Bloody Simeone. I could see why Simeone would say, sit down, young lad. You need to be brought down a peg or two. But obviously now with Chelsea's situation, you can't do that to him. And I know that was a long rant. And just to finish it off, personally, it's time N'Golo Conte leaves Chelsea. Oh, hello, Des. Producer Des right there throwing his little face up there. Everybody's been asking for right there. Did did you see the quick reaction from him? He was faster than Joel Felix in front of goal today. Just going to let everybody know that right there. I'm out of here, everybody. Uh, A few comments coming in right now. I'm going to jump to it right now. Amy jumping in and saying that Sterling looks like he doesn't care anymore. Interesting comment coming in right there. Ed saying, I'm not happy that a certain deluded person isn't here today to get grilled by the rest of the group. Thank Let's you, turn Ed. our attention to Real Madrid, where Serge says, Real Madrid always goes for the harder option and then they perform. And then finally, last but not least, from Anthony Thorpe, he said, good evening, guys. First time viewing live here for Nigel Rio Coker, giving Real Madrid respect, per usual, from the man. We thank you, Nigel Rio Coker. And Nigel, I'll start with you. Let's just talk about Real Madrid for a quick second here. As to the talent, 
and what they do going forward, obviously defensively, again, towards the end of the game there. I thought it was just brilliant defending from Rudiger and, of course, uh, goalkeeper as well included, former Chelsea players, just throwing it out there. Um, but we have to touch upon what Karim Benzema has been doing. 20 goals against English opponents in the UEFA Champions <laughs> League. Only Lionel Messi scoring more goals. That was 27 goals. Karim Benzema has now scored six goals against Chelsea in the Champions League in his career. The only team he scored more goals against in the Champions League in his career is Liverpool, where he scored seven goals. Only four players in Europe, European Cup Champions League history have scored 90-plus goals in the competitions. Cristiano Ronaldo with 140, Lionel Messi with 129, Robert Lewandowski with 91, and Karim Benzema now making it to the 90. Uh, we also got to give Vinny Jr. a bit of a shout-out here because he was phenomenal mm. once again today. I know you're a huge fan. Nigel Rio Coker, uh, he's been directly involved in 35 goals across all competitions this season, more than any other La Liga player. Real Madrid, give them some love. Take it away, Nigel Rio Coker. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not a Real Madrid fan. I'll just give credit where credit is <laughs> due, and they deserve a lot of credit. But listen, if this clip goes viral, Ian, because of what you said, don't be surprised if Todd Bowley tries to buy Kareem Benzema. Don't be surprised about that. But no, nah, he's he, honestly he's sensational. I mean, like I said, you just look at Real Madrid for me, and I've said it to you guys before. When you look at that team there, it's just a club that knows how to gather the best winners. Yes, they've made mistakes, but... Eight out of 10 times, they sign the right players who fall into what the club is about and what's expected from these players. They all go out there to win football matches. They play at the highest level. They have a desire to win everything that they play. And it's not a team that has to be overly coached. They don't have to tweak their tactics and change that much. They're comfortable out of position defensively. They're comfortable in one-on-one -on -one situations. We said in our group chat, I've never seen Reese James look so average apart from today with what Vinicius Jr. did to him. And... Like I said too, Vinicius Jr. for me is the star of La Liga football and he's one of the stars of world football. He's just getting better and better with every game and it's sensational to watch and you just have to give credit. And the only problem that Real Madrid have is getting the right manager in place who can manage these egos and get these guys to all work together. Ancelotti, for me, showed his class and you talked about the substitutions that were made, Ian. Rudiger coming in, Chirmini coming in. Those are substitutions from an experienced manager who knows what to do in certain moments of the game. And now they're comfortable with a 2-0 lead. And like you said, I can see them going there to score more goals at Stamford Bridge. And uh, Ben Zimmer, for me, is just sensational. Elaborating on Nigel's point a bit as well about managerial experience, I think you see in these big Champions League games now, more so than ever, the importance of when you go to a Real Madrid as a player, you're not just going to, you know, one of the, the biggest clubs in the world, uh, you know, with one of the best teams on the pitch. You're going to a footballing institution. It brings yes. these big characters yeah. into line. It's a, it, it's a bit like with Bayern Munich as well. I mean, obviously, there's big levels between Real and Bayern at this moment in time based on the performances we've seen on the continental stage this midweek. But the point still stands. You know, when you go there, you don't go there as a player, you know, for, for a jolly to mess around. You go there to be serious about your career, to win trophies uh you know and i think that makes it a lot easier for coaches to actually get the best out of these players because they want to be at their best and they want to be at their best for a lengthy period of time but equally to nigel's point you know it does take you know very gifted managers to get the absolute best out of a squad of players because there's a lot of competition for places some players who don't get too many looks in so to be able to get the best out of them when they're sort of being rotated in and out, you know, that is a fine art and it's one that Ancelotti has mastered over the years. So, you know, I think with Real, 
again, we come back to this debate of sort of how much is there left in that bottle of the last of the summer wine because there are so many aging players in this team. But when they're still able to produce performances like they are at this moment in time, you know, you can't bet against them, you know, going that little bit further in the Champions League, getting closer to the final, because it just does seem to be an mm. exceptional vintage of, uh, of talent with these this crop of players. I think one thing that sets Real Madrid and this Real Madrid group, core group of the last two seasons, last season and this season, is the balance, experience and youth. In midfield, you have the experience of Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, slicing and dicing. But Fede Valverde, he put an amazing performance. I thought he was class. Bodying players in one box and getting forward. I thought his movement going beyond defenders almost being a third runner from midfield. I thought that unbalanced Chelsea's back three made them think about something else. And Danny Carvajal, golf clap for him. Hell of a pass that he had to Vinny Jr. for the first goal. These are two players on different ends of the spectrum at Madrid. Carvajal, he's been there, seen seen it, done that, done everything. One Champions League, one La Liga's. And Fede Valverde, he keeps getting better and better. Mind you, last season, Fede Valverde was playing as a right winger. In the knockout stages, wrinkle in tactical movement from Carlo Ancelotti. Now he's playing central midfield, and I think this is just a masterclass from Madrid against a weakened Chelsea side. Ian, what do you think about Frank Lampard's team selection today for Chelsea? Yeah, I thought it was interesting, obviously, not having um, Kai Havertz in that starting lineup there. You could tell he was playing on the counter-attack, wasn't he? He's just trying to go yeah. a bit more defensive-minded. I was actually impressed in, in large phases of that first half. Okay, many people out there, even in our comments, we've had some coming in saying Madrid should have scored more goals in that first half. But Chelsea had a good couple of chances in that game. You know, clearly you can see that they're lacking in confidence in front of goal. Even Joao Felix there, I thought it was a great breakdown on the Champions League show where Thierry had said, get in front of that last defender. If you get in front of that last defender, he's got to either bring you down, make a decision to bring you down, or he's going to let you take a, a better angle at the goal. And he didn't do that. So it tells me bad touch on the ball twice, not just one time from Joao Felix. They're just not in sync right now. Maybe it's the selfishness you talked about, Nigel. Um, but Frank Lampard's team selection was, was certainly interesting but it was the Kai Havertz one that caught me off guard a bit more than anything else I think he was playing defensively to try and get out of there with a 0-0 a 1-1 or even a 1-0 loss and he would have been happy I don't think he'll be happy now with a 2-0 defeat but I, I, simply down to the fact that I just don't think that Chelsea can score three goals against Real Madrid without conceding unless I'm mistaken Nigel no, I think you're 100% right. Like, again, I think for me, again, that the Conte thing for me is just a mind-boggling one for me because I think Conte can do everything. I think it can be box-to-box me for everything, but starting him high up like that, I think that it was a big mistake. I think he needs to be the energy setter and the tempo and the one who's dictating the pace of the game. And he's got the ability to be more disruptive when the ball goes to feet. So Benzema and Vinicius coming inside than I feel than Enzo Fernandez, And I like Enzo Fernandez. Like I said, he's a good player but I would have pushed Enzo Fernandez higher. We've seen what he can do when he gets higher up the pitch. I personally would have swapped those two. And like you said, not having a centre forward is a big problem for them. And then clearly, facially, you can see in the players as well that it's just not quite right. And even if you went with a nil-nil draw and went back to Stamford Bridge, let's not act like Stamford Bridge currently is a fortress for Chelsea fans and the players are going to rise up to it because... I don't think there's a lot of belief by Chelsea fans within their team right now anyway. So I don't think that they'll be expecting a, a massive turnaround for them to put in a performance and beat this Real Madrid side. I think they'll be probably going out there to watch the Benzimas and the, the Vinicius Juniors and the Modrics play. The more so supporting and believing in Chelsea turning it around. 
Two quick questions from me before we do head to break. Mike, I'll come to you first then, JJ. I've got a second one for you. Uh, Mike, real quickly on the red card from Ben Chilwell. I mean, this was pretty terrible from Kukurea, right? Oh, geez. It was as soon as Kukurea came on, disaster and imploding was impending. It's been a horror show from him. Started brightly in his Chelsea career, but these are the games. This is the level of the Champions League that if you want to go to a big club like Chelsea Football Club, you have to withstand and really withstand the pressure and really do your role well. He's come in, he's a wing back by nature, definitely not a center back in a back three, got exposed and credit to Rodrigo, his movement to check to the ball, suck in Kukurea and then create space and go in, in behind. It's first class by him and just a rash decision by Ben Showell, right call from the refereeing crew. Going to be a bummer to miss him in the second leg for Chelsea. Not many people once again tipping Real Madrid to go all the way, certainly ahead of this oh, tie, JJ. Oh, but oh, wait, hold on. Huh? I did. Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on, I'm not finished. I wasn't talking okay. to you. I said JJ here. Oh. Uh, JJ, not many people. I said not many people except Nigel were tipping uh, Real Madrid to go all the way and win it this year, especially whether you look at the bracket. But on current form right now, who would you rather go with? This Real Madrid side or uh, Manchester City? I mean, it's a it's it's a tough one. Uh, you know, I certainly think it would be a fantastic matchup if the the two cross paths. Um, uh, it, yeah, it's it 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 is a hard one. I, th- I think I think I'd I think I'd still probably favour City just ever so slightly because I think they're going to have that consistency factor between now and the end of the season where we know that Real pick and choose their games. I wouldn't bet against Real delivering good performances over two legs against City, but equally, um, I think that City still probably have that threat that Real haven't faced just yet. JJ. I love you, mate. You've been sipping on some wine. That's some bad wine you've been having. Because City is still chasing Arsenal for the Premier League title. Real Madrid are not going to win La Liga. This is the only thing they have. Yeah, but that's the, that's, the, that's the continuity. That's, that's the consistency it. I was talking okay. about. Now, they can be inconsistent all they want. When it comes to Champions League, they're a different animal. They are vulnerable defensively, Manchester City. We saw it once or twice. You think Real Madrid, Madrid will beat Manchester City, Nigel? Yes, I do. And I'll put money Ooh. on it. You can put money yeah, on it. I yeah, bet so you that Real Madrid beat Man City. But anyway, I'll happily to add to what money. Michael said, yeah. the reason why Cucurella made that mistake also is, remember, he's used to playing in a back three. So in a back three, he's probably used to going in that tight. And I think he forgot that he was in a back four. And he went in and was just completely just outsmarted. Great movement by Rodrigo. Nigel. And that's what happened when that formation what? He forgot he was on the football pitch at the Bernabeu <laughs> in the Champions League quarterfinal. Yeah. All right? Don't forget for formations, which tactical <laughs> formation. Well, you get put in that position. What you don't do is you don't leave your left back hanging like that. I mean, that was you don't go, You don't step out. You do not step out. That's Dreadful. the thing. But then yeah. the thing is, miscommunication. When he steps out, Ben Chiu was supposed to be a little bit more narrow and inside, but Ben was up I agree. as well. But again, mm. when you go from a back three, remember, on the potter, they were playing back three a lot, and then now Lamp's gone back to the back four. It takes time for players to kind of adapt and get back to reality. Yeah. Mm. I, I think very quick for me, this is a Madrid side that if you play Manchester City, which it looks very much like it's going to be City versus Real Madrid, because I ain't seeing it from Chelsea in this second leg. It's not just how you cope with Erlen Haaland, but it's also how you cope with the midfield of Manchester City. I think that is where the game and matchup will be won and lost between these two sides. The aging Madrid side, I think Fede Valverde, how he deals with a player like Kevin De Bruyne. I can't wait to see this sort of matchup. I give City the slight edge because their back line, how they've played as of late. I mean, you have players making splits saving blocks. You have Akanji playing out of position. If you bring that sort of confidence in that sort of form against Madrid, 
I think it's a hell of a matchup for City. Have their back line faced the quality of Vinicius Jr. and Benzema? They'll no. kick him. I say they kick him to bits. It's going to be a hell of a game. Last time they played each other, it was a hell of a tie. That I mean, that's going to be the headliner of the Champions League. Forget the final. That's the headliner. Manchester City and Pep Guardiola will certainly be hoping that they don't concede that first goal if we do get to see this tie because Real Madrid's record under Carlo Ancelotti Mm. when scoring that first goal in the Champions League is sensational. 30 games, 29 wins, one draw, zero defeats. Getting that first goal, all important for Real Madrid. Quick break from us and we turn our attention to the game that took place in Milan between AC Milan and Napoli when we return. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. If you're a U.S.-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from NWSL to the Champions League to Serie A and so much more in between. Not sure if it's for you, question mark? Then you can try one month for free using the code NWSL2023. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Enjoy Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson, and Nigel Rio Coker as we turn our attention to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. First leg that took place in Milan between AC Milan and Napoli. Everybody will remember the embarrassing performance from Napoli in their home defeat against AC Milan only 10, 14 days ago, something like that. Four goals to nil. They were uh, beaten by Milan. Was it going to be something different this time around, Jonathan Johnson? It's a closer game, but AC Milan get the job done thanks to Ismail Benacer with a beautiful goal 40 minutes into the game. The 25-year-old's first goal since August 2022, his first ever Champions League goal. Lovely little assist from Leal and Diaz, who were very good once again. Maybe the goalkeeper, Mere, could have done a bit better there, JJ. But at the end of the day, not a good performance from Napoli. And once again, going down a man with Angisa receiving a second yellow red and off. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I would say that it's a bit harsh to, to maybe question Mary on the goal because I thought, I mean, it was a, it was a fantastically worked goal. Uh, you know, that turn from Diaz basically takes out the entirety of the, the Napoli midfield and, you know, AC Milan were left to attack at will and it was a really well-executed counter-attack. But equally, I think the key battle that was lost by Napoli in this one was the battle of mentality. You could see the team crumbling and falling apart just around halftime once they'd gone behind. I mean, the crazy thing is Napoli could have scored within about 60 to 120 seconds and they had that uh, opportunity very, very early on through Kvitscha. I mean, I don't know if the opportunity came to him too early, but, you know, Milan all hands to the pump almost immediately in the game. Mike Mignon called into action very early, but then suddenly... About midway through the first half, the tie completely flips. Uh, you know, Milan get that goal, the the 
go-ahead goal five minutes before halftime. They could have had a second when Kiara as well hits the crossbar with a really powerful header. And after that, you know, Napoli are pretty much chasing the game. But it's that moment of madness, that sort of five-minute spell where uh, Anguissa picks up two bookings. Uh, you know, Kim also gets himself in the book, which suspends him for the next game. You know, suddenly missing those two players, not being 100% certain that Aussie men will be back as well for that second leg. Suddenly Napoli look like they have a mountain to climb and can feel very, very fortunate that they didn't concede that second goal to, to Milan because there were, you know, opportunities. Milan had a, a penalty shout late on as well that they felt aggrieved about. But I think the most worrying thing, if you're Spalletti, is looking at what that's doing to Napoli mentally. You know, they're too far ahead, I think, in Serie A for it to really factor domestically. But in terms of the remaining hopes that they have for the rest of this season, you know, he's got to get a lid on that now because they still are in this tie as long as they believe that they're in this tie. And by the looks of things, the way that some of the players were reacting and getting at each other's throats later on in that game, I'm not so sure that they believe it. Maybe not so much so, uh, you know, when they don't have their talisman, Aussie man on the pitch with them. Yeah. One of the things that and I love you bring up the, the mentality aspect, because that's exactly what I saw. One of the things that I've I've loved and admired about this Napoli team has been the way they put the game on their terms throughout the season. Doesn't matter whether it's going to Anfield, whether it's playing whoever is on the schedule, they've gone and asserted themselves. Today, without Victor Osiman, you see the physical presence of Osiman missing and really the AC Milan bullied them throughout the field. There were times where Teo Hernandez, who's not known to be a physically assertive player in terms of dominating physically, he was getting stuck in, getting the crowd going. And you could see Napoli. Teo Hernandez not getting stuck in. That guy's a nut job, man. That guy gets well, fired. I, I never know what you're talking about. Well, he gets red cards. That's where the nut job goes in. But I think 50-50 duels against a Napoli side, if this is a different side, that is something Napoli, roll up your sleeves, they're midfield, they're outside backs. That's what I'm talking about. That's where Napoli has asserted themselves in prior matchups. And you just see the lingering nature of not just the 4-0 defeat, but the narrow win against Lecce. This was always going to be an uphill task for Napoli. They kept it close, but I think in the second half, the Brahim Diaz turn, that is just world-class. Since the game in Naples, he is just playing at a different, different level, much like we saw him play at times last season in the title run-in. Bigger worrying sign, the the Kim and Jai suspension, that is a massive loss for them. You get a positive potentially with Osiman coming back, but that defensively, you're losing your rock in a game that if you concede, yes, scoring goals is one thing, but the name of the game is not conceding and teeing it up for Victor Osiman. Now there's even bigger question marks in the second leg. Hold on, Nigel, before you jump in here real quickly, we've got to just give a, a round of applause. <laughs> here because Nigel Real Cokers, his missus just stepped in. <laughs> uh, hero, the hero jumping in, that's Nigel's missus. The legend Real Coker. I <laughs> that is not my missus. Take it away. Eating <laughs> <laughs> your leg. Um, no, uh, JJ and Michael, right? I think for me, I'm going to be very brief about it. If producer Des would have run the tape of what I said yesterday, Osiman <laughs> is the key factor. Without their Superman and their Spider-Man, whatever it is, Napoli are not the same team. They're great possession at times in, in the edge of the box against AC Milan. Osiman offers that different threat. You know, they're looking for the, 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 the cutback. They're looking for the complete total football goal. With Osiman, you can just open up your hips, put a ball into the back of the net. I think how they stopped Quicha Caraskelia was fantastic. AC Milan, they deserve credit. And that is how you stop someone that good. If you know he's got pace, you know he's got the ability to beat you, to go inside, outside, get tight, 
AC Milan got tight quick, didn't give him the opportunity to get a momentum of running to be able to beat players. They kept him quiet. And I think now it comes when Qualicelia has to add different aspect to his game. If I look at one of the greatest wingers that I ever saw, it was Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs' football intelligence was second to none, can beat players inside out. So it's all about movement and body and positioning. But for me, the biggest thing is this. Without Ossiman, Napoli is struggling. They're still in the tie. They're still in the tie. Anything can happen. But Hold this on, second... Huh? <laughs> can I jump in real quickly? Yeah, and just say you're, you're saying they're still in the tie, but I just want to remind you, no Kim min now, he's suspended. No Anguisa, he's also suspended mm. and possibly no Osimhen. So you still believe, minus those three, that they're still in the tie? I still do. I still think playing yeah. at home is a massive advantage. And it depends on, basically for me, I think it's how the manager puts it to them. Because really and truly, you've won Serie A. That title is yours. This is your biggest cup final. And you know what it's like, Ian and Mike, when it's such a big game and you know what's at stake and it's just one game, anything can happen. I feel it's all about the mentality. I'm going to go outside the box. What they need to do is pick one day from now till next week and go on an absolute team piss up. Go get drunk. Go hug each other. Go get steaming <laughs> and get ready for next week because that is what's you, needed. Could you tell producer Des that we need to do that as well with the host of Champions <laughs> team boys? Right? That uh, needs listen, to happen soon again. People might think I'm crazy, but it's happened many times when teams have done that. When they've got their backs against the wall, things are going tough. A couple of guys have gone out. They've gone out for a few nights on the row, having some drinks but, and just but, relax. But PSG, the case study that that doesn't work. <laughs> That's PSG, mate. I didn't say go <laughs> to the poker and gamble Six away. Six times a week and it's, uh, you know, they can't they can't bring it in the biggest games. What I, what I wanted to actually add on your, on your point was, though, I think this actually completely plays out away from the pitch now, this second leg. Mm. If Ozyman doesn't come mm. back, Napoli won't go through because you're taking out arguably their key player in each position with Kim suspended and Gisa suspended and then potentially Ozzyman, uh, you know, out or at least, you know, semi-fit. I mean, that that is a realistic scenario going into this game that he's only fit enough to be on the bench. And if that's the case, I didn't see enough teeth in this Napoli side, yeah. uh, you know, to, to come through uh, against Milan, even if they are at home. And I, you know, I do take Nigel's point that, you know, that home advantage will count a lot. Uh, in that second leg. And, you know, I think when I when you look at the likes of Mario Rui, uh, you know, Romani as well, uh, you know, these guys get rattled uh, quite easily or got rattled quite easily during this game. Uh, you know, and it's going to be difficult for Spalletti to clear his players' heads because of that. Uh, you know, so there is a lot uh, of pressure that's going to be sort of put on Ozyman to, to be fit. And if he gets rushed back, uh, you know, maybe too soon, you know, that can also potentially have disastrous circumstances, not just for Napoli and this mm-hmm. tie, but Napoli for the remainder of the season. Yeah, yeah. What, one player. Yeah, go on. The thing is, well, JJ, Mike, what you got to remember, Ian, Napoli, like JJ said, they could have been 1-0 up in the first minute of this game. So it's not like you went there, you didn't have no chances. They had chances. So that's still going to be an element of belief that they can still win this game. Mm-hmm. One player, and I'm so glad you're talking about rattled, and that I'm seeing Labatka looked rattled today. I think the likes of Asandro Tanali, he deserves credit for how he's showed up in the last two weeks against Napoli. AC Milan, they have a bit of bite. They have momentum going against them. They won't care one lick what's happening in the league. Yes, they're in the, the top four race. 
This is where their season comes down to. Napoli still most likely will get Serie A. We all believe that. We are all for that because I think Serie A needs that. But this is an AC Milan team. When you have momentum at your back, you you just feel that sense of, okay, we got these guys. That's a powerful thing. Doesn't matter what's happening off the field. Doesn't matter what's happening in that stadium. Yes, Victor Osiman coming back. That is massive. But the, men, the, the mental win, the mental game, that's a whole nother stratosphere that you're playing on. And you could very well, if Victor Osman's not fit, you could very well already have won the tie. And that, that's what it's going to come down to. Victor Osman, his health. By the way, they could have scored. You're all talking about the, the goal early on. They could have scored in the last minutes of the game. It was a great save oh, yeah. from Magnan at the top corner. Yeah. I'm not sure. Was it Raspadori who, who had it in the top corner? I can't remember who it was who had it in the top corner, but that was a hell of a save. It, yeah, it was a striker that came on. I forgot the name, but yeah, it was a, the flick on header. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, a lot of opportunities right there. Listen, before we do get to a little bit of a wrap-up here and head to break, I've got a question for all of you here. But, Mike, it's mainly directed at you. Uh, ben Asser is the fourth African player to score with AC Milan in the UEFA Champions League, excluding on goals. Who are the other three? Anybody can jump Oof, in here. I got one. George Kevin Weah. Prince, Kevin Prince-Boteng, George Weah. Kevin Prince-Boteng, George Weah. And the last one? JJ? JJ doesn't know about African players. What are you asking him for? <laughs> <laughs> is it... Uh, oh, I got one. Did we kiss you? Nope. nope. Is it Sulimantari? Sulimantari. Right oh, there. There we go. Well done, no Michael. my Lohan. Africans, baby. No my Very, Africans. very good. All right. Uh, before we do wrap it up here, let's just have a quick look and uh, check out all the results here. Uh, JJ, is there anyone that is done and dusted for you or is there multiple games that are already done here? Uh, Bayern, Chelsea, and to be honest, based on what I saw, Benfica, um, I think those yep. three, you could make arguments that they're done. I'd say if I had to pick one with a chance of coming back, it would probably be Benfica, given that they were so disappointing compared to what I expected from them. But then again, on the other hand, you know, be positive towards Inter Milan. I thought Inter Milan were good, uh, you know, surprisingly yep. good. Very good. So, uh, yeah, for me, I think the one that's definitely done is City Bayern. Mike, you differ or you agree? Uh, agree, agree. I, I'm, I'm the Victor Osimhen injury. That's too much of a factor for me to fully go in on the Napoli tie. So Benfica, I still think there's goals to be had in the second leg for them. NRC, yeah, Bayern Munich got no chance. Absolutely no bloody chance. Uh, Chelsea got no bloody chance. I still think Napoli. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I still feel that. If Benfica score first, there could be opportunity for something there. But those other two, forget about it, mate. Rocco says, jumping in and saying 1-0. This tie is nowhere near close to being over. Good on Milan, though, playing with great composure. Uh, jumping yeah. in, Luigi says, for me, it depends on how Milan approaches the game. Will they defend like they did against Tottenham or attack, seeing that they've been successful until now? Which is a great comment right there, similar to what they did in Naples the last time around. And then Zero, the hero, saying, uh, it's Chelsea. You never know what they're capable of. Based on their history, they're capable of absolutely impossible. I'm with Rio Coker on this one. Nigel, did you say that Chelsea could come back? No. no. All right, then. So then we've <laughs> basically come to the conclusion that this is not your message. Let's go to break then, everybody. We're turning our attention. To He's a Tottenham fan. He just said you it. You are watching How's the Champions. Be right back. 
CBS Sports Galazzo Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage is now streaming on a CBS Sports app, Pluto TV and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with a 7 a.m. morning footy show, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show. Plus, don't miss the rest of our comprehensive programming lineup, including live matches and rears, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and so much more. CBS Sports Galazzo Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination nation for fans of the beautiful game welcome back to house of champions everybody enjoy michael hood there's our jonathan johnson and nigel rio coker we turn our attention right now to the europa league quarterfinal action manchester united sevilla juventus against sporting lisbon leverkusen against union saint gilois feyenoord against roma which is an absolute banger of a game probably the one i'll be watching more than anywhere else but we begin with manchester united against sevilla michael hood i'll come to you as soon as though your love and affiliation for manchester united is there uh, Rashford latest, um, obviously it's an assessment of the injury. It looks like he's going to be unavailable not only for this game, but for multiple games. So interesting timing for this type of injury. It looks like it was a groin injury. I like to see that he went straight off here as well. He didn't try to play on with it. He knew it was an injury. He went off. So hopefully he's protected between now and the end of the season. A lot of big games coming up for United. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed because I think he would have been the X factor that United want. United fans need and Manchester United players are looking forward to 28 goals in all competitions. It's hard to replace that given in this competition in particular, leading goal scorer with six goals. The next best goal scorer, Cristiano Ronaldo with two. Bruno Fernandez also in the mix. Ronaldo obviously not a part of the club anymore. Good riddance. I'm looking at who's going to play up top. Anthony Martial. All eyes will be on him. Veghorst, sorry. This is where you play your cameo role. Anthony Martial, the fact that he scored that second goal at the weekend, I think Ten Hag will look to him saying, hey, you've got a goal that will give you much-needed confidence. He's the type of player that's had success in the Europa League. But when it comes to Sevilla, they are the kings of this competition. United have never beat, beaten them. They played them twice, one in the Champions League, one in the Europa League. I think that commands automatic respect from Ten Hag and his team. This is a matchup that goes across two ties. The fact that it starts at Old Trafford, where United have a very good record this season, OT back to being a fortress. That gives me confidence in them getting the result in the first leg. JJ, real quickly on this tie. Yeah, I mean, for me, <clears throat> I mean, it's difficult to feel really confident about Sevilla. We know that they have pedigree in this competition. You know, nobody can doubt it. But equally, when you look at their form overall this season, it's not very convincing. But then again, sometimes teams do crazy things, uh, you know, in a cup competition when things aren't going well in the league. Uh, you know, and you, I've seen stranger things happen than Sevilla beating a team like uh, like a Manchester United sort of based on the form, but to sort of be able to see them doing it over two legs, despite the fact that Rashford, uh, you know, may not be a factor in, in the tie at all. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a bit of a stretch for me. I mean, I think that Sevilla could run United closer than, say, Betis did, but equally, it's difficult for me to see United crashing out here at this moment in time. I think Ericsson and Casemiro look like they're back in the action as well, which is uh, two nice additions to come back into the squad here. NRC, anything from you in this game? Nah, mate. Michael's done enough fanboy for United for me to add to it. The fans are bored already. Let's move on. JJ, Juventus against Sporting. Allegri coming out and saying Paul Pogba has been uh, called up. We'll see tomorrow. It's important that he completed a few training sessions with the team without stopping. It would be important to have him at this best in the final part of the season. There's a long way to go still. So your thoughts on Juve overall in this game, but also nice to see Pogba back out there. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Juve really need to be targeting this now, especially after the setback against Lazio in the league. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think many of us expected them to be sort of as close to potential European spots as they are, but, uh, you know, sort of here we are. I think Sporting is one of the tougher teams that you can be up against at this stage of the competition. So if Juve do manage to make it through, uh, you know, then they will have earned that, uh, you know, spot in the uh, in the semifinals. For me, I still think that Sporting are going to run Juve close. I can see what Allegri is talking about with Pogba being potentially important in the run-in, but equally he's been out of the team for so long. It's going to take a long time for him to get sort of back to his best. And, you know, the, the chances are that even if he played every game between now and the end of the season, he wouldn't really be hitting that level until the very last few games. But I see that Allegri's fallen out with Paredes and Paredes is probably PSG bound again this summer. So that probably explains why he's suddenly so desperate for Pogba to, to get back into his squad after saying how publicly how frustrated he's been with Pogba's return from injury. Nigel, I want to turn our attention to Roma against Feyenoord here. Mourinho coming out and saying that he's downplaying, you know, what Feyenoord are all about. He said, tomorrow is a difficult game to explain. They are the strongest team in the league. The numbers are objective. They will be champions in a few weeks. We are not the strongest team in Italy, nor in the Europa League. Even if we can win it, let's play with what we have at our disposal, which is balance right there. Mourinho playing mind games once again. This is a very tough, tough game, though. I do agree with him are a very solid team. They have a big advantage in their domestic league right now. It looks like they're going to be champions this year and they don't lose many games, especially at home. No, yeah, but that's classic Jose Mourinho. You know, you've got to give him credit. He's been doing this for so many years and he's a smart manager. He's well prepared. He knows how to set his team up against opponents and it's uh, it's that classic us against them. No one gives us a chance. We're not going to do it. And I'm sure that's the same message that he'll be putting in his dressing room. But I can see them being typical Roma, typical Jose Mourinho side, they're going to go there, tough to beat, grind out a nil-nil or grind out a one-nil win somehow, someway, play counter-attacking football and be looking more to take control in the second leg. But it's not going to be an easy game. It's going to be a very tough game. It's going to be very tight. Final to our very good side as well, as you, you've said and you know well, probably more so than I do. But it's uh, it, it's going to be a, it's a typical Jose Mourinho mental mind game playing before the game itself. Yeah, well said. Uh, Leverkusen against Union Saint-Gerrois. Mike, real quickly, Leverkusen, nine games unbeaten, won the last seven games consecutively. Very strong side right now. Xabi Alonso seems to be ticking right now at the right time for Leverkusen. Tough game for Union Saint-Gerrois, even though they did score three goals against Union Berlin in Germany most recently. Yes, I think it's a very tough game because when you score those three goals and kudos to them for getting to this point, you command the respect of your next opponent. Xabi Alonso, what he's done, he's a miracle worker. He's getting buy-in from players that you thought their minds were all over the place and didn't look as motivated. Musa Diaby looks more like himself as of late. And this is a Bayern Leverkusen team that looks really inspired by the play of Florian Wirtz. There's rumors about him being bound elsewhere after the season. He is the metronome. He is the key player in the final third. I think that Leverkusen, you still have to play the games. I think they'll have too much quality for Union saint Ian, best team left in this competition, in your opinion. Very good question. This is a very tough one. Manchester United, my favourites to win this competition in the Europa League. They're my favourites right now. Rashford injury is a concern for sure. Um, but having Casemiro back, having Eriksen back, if Manchester United continue to go in the form that they're in right now, I can see them lifting this trophy. But I am very, very concerned about um, this Roma team. I think they can get knocked out by Feyenoord. I'm just throwing it out there and it's hard to bet against Italian teams in Europe right now. But Feyenoord have really impressed me this year. 
No, yeah. no longer anything I'll, to add. No, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I think a quick stat for you, and I'm so glad we're talking about this matchup because I, I think this is the matchup that not a lot of people will be looking at because of what Juve, United, the pedigree there. But Roma, in the first leg, what they've done, getting the shutout, their last three home ties in this competition, it's dictated what they'll do in the second leg. Park the bus. It's Jose Mourinho and his teams. You give them a lead. And, and they keep the shutout, which they've done their last three home matches, then it's just too much to ask in the second leg. If Feyenoord get a goal, you don't even have to win, you get a goal in this first leg, then I think we could be in for a surprise in the second leg. JJ, All right. you're surprised there, an American with a stat. Let me give you another stat, an American and a stat. Wow. <laughs> that, the fact anyway, that you're giving me crap lets me know. The both of you stat-driven Yanks don't be sleeping on sporting. That performance against Arsenal was something, but do not be sleeping on sporting. That's all I'm saying. Well, Amy's just jumped in and said Juventus are going to win it, Nigel. So she disagrees with you right there as well. Ed saying that he thinks it's going to be between Feyenoord, Roma, or uh, Feyenoord or Roma, and then United in the final. So interesting to see what our uh, thoughts are from our comments as well. Rocco Sage saying, "Is Europe getting worse or is Serie A getting better?" I simply can't tell here. Um, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on because I have to. We're about to get out and end the show here. Uh, final thoughts, everybody. There has been some reports coming out there. JJ, you can take it away on this one here about Leroy Sane and Sadio Mane getting into it here. Apparently, a busted lip for uh, Leroy Sane after Sadio Mane lost his temper. Um, anything you'd like to add here or thoughts on this one? Well, I see uh, lurking in the script there. It's actually a question for you guys, whether you and your former teammates have ever gotten into any fisticuffs. So I'm going to turn that on Nigel Ryokoka immediately. And I'll see. I'd have smashed Nigel. I'll tell you that oh, yeah, I'm nearly with, 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 with Nigel and all his time in locker rooms, I'm surprised that it didn't always come to blows after every game. This listen, is a dangerous question to ask Nigel. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. No, no, yeah. Oh, no, but he knows, Jake. Listen. Jay, Jonathan Johnson, <laughs> the locker room is like a jungle. There's lions and there's prey. The lions know what prey to go after. Oh and there's certain God. prey or there's certain other lions that you just don't want to go after because it's not just about football because it will go to that level. I have come close to blows and I've come close to blows with some very crazy people that I knew mentally were not all there that... If I ever got in a fight with them, I'll probably have to kill them because I know they'll kill me. So it's it's been like <laughs> kill, that, kill or be killed. Kill or be killed. And that's what it is. But they know certain people in the dressing room know who to go after and who to sit back after, kind of, and not go after it. Trust me, if you ever got physical. But as Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> uh, I, I'm nice a gentleman. Time. I'm the gentleman yeah. of the game, but no, I did have a couple blows. A uh, couple people who they will remain unnamed is always here. I'll put them in the group chat, though, just for our pleasure. But um, whenever it got personal, whenever a teammate <laughs> took something to another level that was off the field and made it very personal, anything about family, a la what Fede Valverde did, I'm knocking on your ass. That was always that was always my kind of no, no line. I'm, you do not cross that line. It's going to be physical. Sometimes, though, I mean, you just have to lose your temper just to put people yeah. in a place. And yeah. whether they're teammates, whether they're managers, I'm uh, just going to say that I went after a gaffer one time. I've actually gone after two gaffers. I went, I went <laughs> after my gaffer. I'm going to say names. I went after. I'm going to almost say names. When I was a rookie, 
I went after my gaffer, uh, my gaffer as a rookie, and he was a well-known former Liverpool legend, and uh, he was bullying the kids, and I didn't like seeing that, and these were all my teammates and friends, and um, I couldn't stand by and do nothing, so I eventually went after him and uh, got fired. So there you go. <laughs> uh, that does it for us, everybody. Thank you so much for jumping in the comments. Thank you for obviously liking, subscribing, and uh, making the show what it is. House of Champions is here for you. The guys taking all of their quality time out of the day to spend moments with us and share it to you with what they've experienced through the Champions League. So big shout out to Michael Lude, Nigel Rio Coker, and Jonathan Johnson for today's effort. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Great stuff, boys. Really looking forward to it. We do have uh, shows coming up on Thursday. Fabrizio Romano, if I'm not mistaken, is coming on the show as well. So a lot coming ahead from House of Champions, boys. So make sure you're checking local listings. But tomorrow morning, we'll all be back. And we look forward to seeing you then. Thank you very much, boys. Thanks to everybody in the comments. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show as best as you possibly can. Uh, Producer Des is just letting us know in the chat. 10 a.m. Eastern with Fabrizio Romano and 5 p.m. Eastern Europa League recap. Thanks for reminding me, Producer Des. If you'd like to show your face again, one more time we give you five seconds thanks everybody for tuning in